0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
1: Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show as we are a week away from the uneventful Nate late, National Signing Day, where you know maybe even Nebraska will have a guy, maybe they won't. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But you know, we we've kind of had a shift to shift our whole realm of how we use January compared to what we used to use it as, because as far as adding new players, it, it, it's not what's going on right now. It's a lot of uh, coaches getting out and and seeing 2021 guys, and we're seeing it right now in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, You know, a guy like Thomas Bedoni, Nate, I mean, he's had Jim Harbaugh, Georgia was there, uh, Drinkowitz, the new Missouri head coach, LSU is going to be there this week, Nebraska, Kansas State. Uh, you name it. Um, you know this kid in Council Bluffs has had all these coaches come in to see him and and that's really what January now for recruiting has become. Get your head coach out and trot him around in front of these kids so they know how important you are to them.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the,
1: the whole head
2: coach, dog and pony show you know, it's, is in full effect and, and it has to be. I mean, it, you' be, it'd be dumb not to take advantage of that because once spring evaluation period comes around, you can't have a head coach out. On the road so uh, I mean it, it makes sense and this is just, just kind of the the way recruiting is going right now I mean everything has has evolved into this and a lot of it has to do with the early signing period and and how much the process has been sped up and accelerated where everyone's class is 99% done and so you can turn the page to that next year's class and um,
3: and really, really
2: show your top targets just how much uh, you know how much you are interested in them.
3: I know with with basketball, um, obviously they've had the two signing periods for a while, but it was the same way where your top flight guys and the majority of the the elite level prospects you know sign in the fall, but then in the spring you see these guys come out of nowhere with these huge ratings bombs and get all this. The kid at Papio South. Yeah, they get all this attention, and I was wondering, Nate, if you or either of you guys, if you've seen a trend with football where guys that maybe didn't have much recruiting profile, suddenly see their stock skyrocket as teams, like you just said, are trying to fill out their classes, uh, suddenly view these kids in a different uh, light uh, given the demand they need for their class.
2: Well, yeah, it's one of two things that happen, um, you know, with uh, unless you're like that five-star guy that, that's established already that can afford to take recruiting all the way through to, uh, to the, the February signing day. It's uh, the, that mid-tier, lower-level guy that's rolling the dice on themselves, and they are either upgrading big time uh, because they play a position of need that a lot of schools weren't able to fill in December. You know, you could be a, a you know, low you know, two or, or three star offensive tackle. And if a bunch of schools missed out on, on that offensive tackle position, all of a sudden you're getting like big time power five offers, um, even though maybe you maybe that might be a little bit of a stretch. Right. But, um, but I've also seen where there's some guys that gambled on themselves and it's kind of fallen off. Um, you know, Brennan Scott is a linebacker out of, uh, out of Dallas, that, and actually Nebraska kicked the tires on him a little bit. He's a four-star guy, uh, decommitted from uh, – was actually committed to Kansas, oddly enough. Um, but decommitted, and, and now uh, he just committed to UNLV. So hmm. So he went from Kansas hoping to upgrade – and to downgrade and (laughs) and, and ended up, you know, I don't know though going to Vegas.
1: Well, yeah, who knows, but but the facilities and the resources, Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's, that's drastically different.
1: I mean, you're not going to get everything. And, um, you know, I know within Nebraska, you're not going to see any kids sign on a late signing day, as far as in-state kids go. And, and, you know the the later signing days now more for Division Two um, because Division Two does not have an early signing day. And I was talking to uh, Coach McNittiman, uh, the new head coach at Wayne State, and he said we actually like this because it gets everybody kind of cleared out of the way, and then we really know who's available for us at the division two ranks. And so a Kearney or a Wayne state or Northwest Missouri state, it's pretty beneficial. But speaking guys of roster movement, another piece moved this week for Nebraska, not a shocker about two weeks ago, we hinted in tunnel talk. This was going to happen either now or at the end of spring ball, Jalen Bradley, um, has put his name in the portal officially, meaning he'll stay on campus this semester, finish classes, um, but won't end up anywhere until May or June. And all signs point to South Dakota State for Jalen Bradley. And guess who Nebraska plays at Memorial Stadium, guys, on week three? <laughs> South Dakota State. So, it, you know, we get Bob Diaka week one. Mm. We get Jalen Bradley week three. Who's the Central Michigan head coach? So they, they've got a not- notable guy. Um, is, is that the old Florida coach that, that laid with the shark? Oh, McHugh, uh, McElwain. McElwain. Yeah, McElwain. It really, he didn't really lay with the shark, but it's fun, yeah. pretty fun. Jim. Yeah, yeah. mean, <laughs> the fact that he t- he I mean he
3: took it pretty. Are we pers- sure
2: that wasn't him? Because man, that was like his
3: twin. Out there. <laughs> he took it so personal too. But it's, it's an image that will forever be burned into
1: my brain. Same here. So we get McIlwain week two, Diaco week one, and the Jalen Bradley game week three, if, if it all plays out. And I'm intrigued And I mean, part of me as just the human being, you know, I would like to see Jalen Bradley get some redemption because, you know, I, it would have been interesting to see him get a shot. I mean, and you know, his coach, Mike Huffman, Nate has always been very open with us. And I mean, I think he makes some interesting points. He goes, do you really think Wyatt Mazur and guys like Brody belt were better than Jalen Bradley? And, and I I can see, you know, their, their argument that, you know, did Jalen ever actually get a shot?
2: Yeah, I mean to to those guys' credit, that I mean they were they're good players, but I mean they were not even in the same league as Jalen Bradley coming out of high school. So, I mean, do you think they went to college and all of a sudden like made this these huge leaps, um, you know, or or did Jalen Bradley go to college and and regress that much? I, I don't know. It's, well, it's, there's
1: some things off the field, well, I, yeah. and, and I think that's probably something happened with him that put him in some sort of doghouse. That no matter what, you know, it never felt like he was going to get out of that doghouse. Yeah,
2: it, yeah, I think that was that's pretty clear. Something something beyond, you know, just. His his physical talents, um, you know, kind of were, were holding him back. Who knows?
3: I mean, I'm sure there's about eight sides to that story. Sure. Especially, you know, you know, there's more to it when you look at what he did as a freshman. I mean, he played right away. Uh, you look at the Purdue game he had there, where he had 10 touches for over 70 uh, all purpose yards uh, and even had nine carries uh, against uh, Iowa in the season finale. So he was on track to be a factor. In that running back rotation as a freshman, then uh, for whatever reason, 2018 rolls around and he redshirts, and then you know 2019 he plays in one game, uh, carrying the ball twice for eight yards in the Maryland win. So I mean, like he totally fell off the map after a very promising start, uh, and you know that that generally means it was more than football that that happened because he
1: was recruited by Ryan Helpnate at Central Florida. I mean, they, they yeah. Central Florida was offered him before Nebraska did. They were on him early in the process.
2: Yeah, they 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 wanted him at Central Florida. When I mean, they probably could have gone in their own backyard and found and that th- guy. thrown a rock and 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 found a couple guys just just as good. But uh, so yeah, clearly he was somebody that that fit the system. So you can't necessarily say, well, the coaching change and the change in offense or whatever, it just wasn't a fit. Yeah, I mean, they they clearly wanted him uh, in the offense in Central Florida. So um, yeah, it's it's. You know, a unique deal. Um, I, I think every every couple of years, there's there's one or two players that that kind of you know that things fizzle out or, or kind of have a situation where this happens, and and unfortunately for Jalen, it. You know, he was one of those guys, and uh, but, you know, it, it looks like he's, he'll be at South Dakota State, and I think that will end up being a pretty good fit for him.
1: Yeah, you look at Bradley, he still holds two Nebraska 11-man rushing records, 496 yards rushing against Millard West in a, in a playoff game. Uh, and, I mean, that's not some low-level 0-9 OPS team. I mean, no, Millard no. West is a very, very good team. And he had seven touchdowns in that game, which also tied his state record. So
2: Well, and he's got he The playoff scoring record. The playoff record. scoring record, yeah. Twenty eight touchdowns was it, scored in the playoffs. Just something, something ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, over yeah. four
1: games. He was yeah. he put up like over twenty touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, Close it, to three thousand yards, fifty touchdowns as a senior.
3: Man, that could be such an ugly storyline for Nebraska if he comes in and <laughs> rushes twenty-eight times for a buck thirty and two touchdowns. And Marvin
1: Scott and Sevion Morrison struggle, yeah, or exactly. the, new, the new guys come no, in and man. don't. I mean, they really need those guys to step up now. I mean, you look at that position. Uh, obviously, um, you know they, they've got their one guy, um, you know, coming back, but uh, Scott and Morrison, you know, need to be a factor right away. I mean, there's no doubt. And, and we, we don't know about, you know, Ramir Johnson coming mm-hmm. off injury. I mean, there's, there's other questions um, at that position, guys. Ronald Tompkins coming off surgery uh, probably won't be full go for the spring. So that will be, I mean, the spring game will be probably a big Brody Belt day. I mean, you're, you're not going to get <laughs> a lot probably, of um, other guys available for that game. Because Ramier, will Ramir be back from his – did he have surgery, Ramir, after, after the game against Maryland?
3: Yeah, maybe he did. That, that, that was
1: it. Then he, then they shut him down. That's
3: I right. Thought. That's right. That was his last game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the spring game is going to be what it is. But, you know, I think that that competition, just like, you know, some others, especially quarterback, is going to be one that goes well beyond the spring because uh, there's a lot of guys that have a lot to prove in that room before we get any idea of what that group's going to look like.
2: Yeah, it'll be uh, probably a lot of Brody Belt, a lot of Winemaster there. Uh, but it, yeah, you look at the entire room there and, and beyond D- Dietrich Mills, I mean, it's it's uh, you know not very many proven commodities there.
1: All right, when we come back, uh, Nebraska basketball took another tough loss here on Tuesday night against Michigan. We'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on that and more next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your
4: authority on Nebraska athletics. We've had stretches, obviously. I thought we played as complete a game as we've had all year against uh, Rutgers on the road. I mean, that's an extremely difficult place to play. I thought we you know, found a way to fight the adversity as well as we had all year when we did dig ourselves a double-digit hole. You know, the important thing about this year is, uh, you know, continuing to get better and continue to grow. And, you know, again, I thought we had good stretches when we took that lead. Uh, you know, we were doing some really good things out there offensively. Defensively, they were getting biased too much tonight. But offensively, I thought we had great flow, we had great rhythm. And then when we stopped doing the things that were making us successful out there, and we were running the same plays, it just wasn't the ball wasn't shifting, it wasn't getting back into Cam's hands uh, where really good things happened. With he and Kevin had a really good rhythm going with the two-man game tonight. Uh, then they started showing on Kevin. Uh, he got in the pocket a little bit to where he could make plays. Uh, but you know, then again, you know we had a couple really empty. Possessions and get your shot blocked a few times. That leads to runouts. It gives transition uh, baskets to them. It gets their confidence going. And, and once they built that lead, uh, they were tough to slow down because they had complete control of the tempo of that game.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach Fred Hoiberg following Nebraska 79-68 to loss to Michigan on Tuesday night in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Uh, this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Get on into any one of the Omaha or the Lincoln location. It is your home to watch the big game here on Sunday, as I know we all are uh, going to be tuned in, um, watching the Chiefs and the 49ers here Uh, Take the field on Sunday, but Robin, the month of January has not been kind in Nebraska. The Huskers won in seven over the month. They've now lost six games in a row, but we've seen signs of improvement. They're just still a very limited team. What is what it comes down to?
3: Yeah, and unfortunately, every glimpse of improvement and um, you know encouraging thing that you see during these this tough stretch here, it's generally followed by uh, another step or two in the wrong direction. That was again the case, you know, when Michigan came to town, where you know Nebraska went to Rutgers, a top twenty-five team in the country, uh, undefeated at home, uh, one of the best teams that program has had in a generation, and they took them all the way down to the wire and had a chance to win that game in the final seconds and. You know, Rutgers hits two big three-pointers to, to win at the buzzer. Uh, but you felt really good about the way Nebraska handled adversity on the road in a true road environment, which has been a struggle for them all year, against a, a team of that caliber. You know, you thought things were starting to click with them a little bit. Well, then they come home uh, against a Michigan team who, oh, by the way, had already lost four in a row coming into that. They were without their starting senior point guard Um uh, the Simpson kid, Xavier Simpson, uh, who was out with the suspension, and then they were also uh, without one of their top scorers in um, Isaiah Livers, uh, who was a, a late scratch with a groin injury, and so you had a Michigan team that was in a really, really bad spot coming to your home arena, you finally had some momentum going, and a lot of people were picking Nebraska to win that game, and what do they do? they have a 21 to four run go against them in the second half and turn a close game into another blowout loss. And now here you are kind of going back to square one of how much progress has been made with this team and will they ever turn the corner this year? Or, you know, is is this about as good as it's going to get?
1: Yeah. The the lack of size, Robin, I I think continues to be an issue for Nebraska. I mean, Michigan, as you mentioned, was limited, but, that size
3: was just too yeah. much. I mean, they- John Teskey was still there, big 7'1", 265 center. So <laughs> that that yeah, that's an issue for him, and it has been all year. But um, it's not just in the rebounding. You know, it was crazy. You go know, that Rutgers game; they actually held their own on the boards and um, actually did a pretty good job uh, inside. You know, limiting points in the paint uh, and all the things that they had to do to compete uh, in that type of matchup. They did. And then Michigan comes to town, and they completely dominated the paint. Uh, You know, it wasn't necessarily just in terms of points and rebounds, which Michigan almost doubled up Nebraska in rebounds, uh, but the block shots, six block shots, and all the, the shots at the rim that were altered that led to Nebraska going 13 of 26 on layups i mean when you make when you miss half of your layups in the game you're not beating anybody let alone a team like michigan that oh you know for the first eight games of the season was one of the best teams in all of college basketball so um you know I, the, the size thing is one aspect of it but i think it's the the real concerning trend here is nebraska's uh propensity to fall behind by these massive deficits uh to where every single night they have to try and claw their way back from a double digit um you're trailing by double digits so six games in a row now they've trailed by 14 or more points uh and i mean that's that's a recipe for disaster, especially with a team that struggles so much uh responding to adversity and you know again it hit them again with, with michigan where you know they led 52 50 on a nice step back from kevin cross and then michigan goes 21 to 4 the rest of the way and it's a, ball game from that point on and uh, until nebraska can figure out how to stop the bleeding and keep the snowball from uh, not only impacting you know their their play offensively when the shots don't fall but also the effort they give on defense uh, i mean they're going to find themselves in the situation more often than not and as we've seen they are struggling to uh, account for that uh, with these six straight losses
1: and nebraska with just five home games remaining on the schedule so this season Has really um, you know gone by fast when you think about it like that. There's just five more Saturday game or five more total games left, and they'll be at home Saturday, Robin, against a very much improved Penn State game team. That's a six o'clock game. Then Nebraska gets the entire week off before playing again Saturday at Iowa. Um, So it is an interesting stretch here because you're at home with kind of your bye week here um, following Penn State.
3: Yeah, and I guess probably a a decent time for a break to kind of have these guys collect themselves a little bit, but uh, you look at the rest of the schedule starting with Penn State um, every team outside of their final home game of the year against Northwestern on March 1st is ranked in the top 40 in, in the Kempom rankings right now uh, Penn State's 22, Iowa's 14 Maryland's 9, uh, you got still got Michigan at State at 7, Ohio State at 12, uh, I mean you go down the list this is going to be a brutal final month uh, of the season and you know, you're talking about a Nebraska team that is struggling to get any momentum it possibly can get there it's are, at least a
1: 10-bid league right now. Uh, yeah, I would say I've so. I've seen 12, as many as yes. 12. They're not going to get 12,
3: though. That would be probably historic if all but two teams in a conference go to the tournament. But uh, it just speaks to how deep the conference is this year. And so, I mean, that's that's kind of part of Nebraska's struggles this year is you know, generally there was maybe about three or four different teams on a given year that you would chalk up to as this is a game you should win. Well. You know, Rutgers is a top 25 team right now Penn State is a top 25 team right now and so all the the historical bottom feeders that uh, were quote-unquote gimme games that you could get right uh, you know Nebraska's that team now uh, and you know they, they just don't have the opportunity to uh, get back on track because every night is just a, another grueling step in a, a overall grind of a 20 game schedule
1: yeah really realistically Robin Northwestern and Penn State are their most winnable games on the schedule both at home
3: uh, Wisconsin at home too. I think that's one that they, they could have a chance, especially if Wisconsin doesn't set a school record for three pointers.
1: But at Maryland on a Tuesday night, there'll be a big student presence there. At that game, it will be a tough atmosphere to play. Uh, they've kind of been lucky when they've gone to Maryland before, when students yeah, it's have been, usually the holiday the holiday break, break yeah. game, and they haven't really had a face like the full gauntlet. But it will not be easy for Nebraska, and then they close their final two games in the conference on the road Thursday, Sunday at Michigan at at minnesota and then if they're in the um the the first round game to the big 10 would that be tuesday or wednesday wednesday so they had they, they would almost have to go right from minneapolis almost to chicago for big 10 tournament they'd probably leave on tuesday still but there really wouldn't be
3: much yeah um, i think i think the earliest they could go is is tuesday and then you get one day of uh, warm-ups or the, the shoot around the night before. And then that game would be the following night on Wednesday.
1: So, yeah, it, it, the season is coming uh, to an end here before our eyes as Nebraska finishes their eight game stretch in January with a one in seven record. All right, when we come back, uh, Husqvarn intern Allie Snow will join us in the studio and we'll take your questions next here. You're listening to the Huskerline Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Wachett, and Nate Klaus. uh, Pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Allie Snow as... It's time for the mailbag and, um, you know, slow, slow time of year, but still lots of questions going on with recruiting and basketball and spring football on the horizon. Allie, what do you got to lead us off with this week?
5: So a couple um, coaching questions. The first one is this might have been stated, but will there be any other additions to the staff other than Snyder? There was some rumors about possibly an offensive analyst.
1: Yeah, I mean, the analyst thing is pretty open ended. I mean, they can. I mean, I don't think there's a limit. You can have as many as you want. So um, they they just lost Jack Cooper, a defensive analyst, um, you know, to Rhode Island. He was a defensive coordinator there, and they did post an offensive analyst role. Um, but it, it's hard to say what direction they go. I mean, they can pay these guys, though, anywhere from like 60000 70000 all the way to 150000 200000 um, You know, Nate, it's almost like – Um, an additional coaching staff now when you have these analyst guys that are paid like what assistant coaches were paid about 10 years ago
2: yeah 10 or 15 years ago I mean these uh these analysts were making almost regular coaches salaries and I'm sure I'm sure the uh you know the coaches that were on those national championship uh, Nebraska teams look at what these analysts are making now and like hey we, we didn't even make that much money but um, yeah, it's, it's changed so much. But, yeah, they definitely need a defensive one uh, to, re- to replace Cooper. Um, and, yeah, there's been talk about an offensive one, but, who I mean, who knows what, what direction they go. Um,
1: They're really not well publicized n- either. It's not like Nebraska sends out a release. Even when they hired, like, the guy from A&M, what was that guy's name that was on Riley's staff? He's a former head coach. Uh, remember the, the older analyst they had? Um, that Riley brought in after Bob Elliott had passed. I mean, they didn't even make a really big deal mm-hmm. about Gary. Um, now I'm blanking on his word. Yeah, I'm names. totally
3: blanking on that. Yeah.
1: He was the older guy that when he'd run out of the press box at, at halftime, you'd see him like about a mile behind Bob Diaco.
3: Huh. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know either. But, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look it up just because <laughs> I'm actually... Well, okay, regardless of what they do, I think you're foolish not to take advantage of that type of role because uh i mean you look you're you're a program that is trying to compete with the the best of the best and you have the resources to do it and this is an avenue to where you can bolster your coaching staff and get uh, an immense amount of experience from all different um, you know, walks of the game. Uh, and you can just have that at, at your disposal beyond uh, the limited full time coaching positions. And so I think that's got to be it's a, it's a theme that's already uh, going across college football. And like I said, I think Nebraska would be um, you know, ill advised not to take advantage of that, especially if they have the resources to do it.
5: If Martinez is limited in the spring, does that open the door for Luke McCaffrey or Smothers to potentially take the starting job from Martinez?
1: Oh, well, and don't forget about uh, Noah Vedrill. I mean, I think everyone wants to just dismiss Noah Vedrill, mm-hmm. um because he doesn't have maybe the recruiting resume um, of some of these guys. Um, but any one of those guys, yeah. I mean, it, it will be interesting. I think one thing is certain, and I think we'd all agree, um, it, it, we're not going to know who the quarterback is coming out of the spring. I mean, I, I think – um, it's going to go all the way up until the game week, and and, that, and that's probably um, how Nebraska wants to play things. They're they're not going to you know come out of the spring and say and Adrian Martinez will be our starter for the third year in a row. I think they have to keep this thing open as long as they can. Because you got to expect even a Smothers is going to make a very, very, very big jump.
3: Well, as it should be. I mean, there's no reason to just say this is our starter because he's the starter of the past two years. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, not only just from the fans, people that want to see an open competition at that position, but I think internally, you know, within your locker room, if you just assign a guy a starting role and not have him have to earn it in practice, you know, that. players notice that and it's going to probably extend to well I'm a wide receiver and I see that they just give starting spots to guys without you know having to you know I go out there and and win it every day in practice and so I think that just even if like you know in the back of your mind who your guy is you have to let the competition play out throughout spring uh, throughout summer conditioning and throughout fall camp uh, just to send that message that you know no matter who you are no matter what your profile is on this team you've got to go out and earn it every day and if you don't there's someone behind you that's going to take your job
2: yeah I couldn't agree more I think the, the quickest way to kind of start turning guys in the locker room is is to not have spots be open for for competition um I mean I mean if you're a backup do you really want to go and and kill yourself every day at practice um grinding if you know that there's no way that you are ever going to have a chance at at getting that spot I, I don't think so and so I think quarterback's going to be open I think a lot of positional positions will be open, uh, which is, you know, and they'll probably try to downplay a lot of that, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of competition across the board this spring.
1: And that former head coach, by the way, the analyst, Gary Dar- Darnell, and he, and he hmm. had been a head coach at A&M, Florida, and Western Michigan.
2: I, I, I wanted to say Gary Barnett, but I knew that wasn't it. Yeah. Gary, Darnell, Gary Darnell. He
1: was a longtime Mac head coach and interim head coach at both Florida and Texas A&M.
3: Nice.
5: Next question, who starts at outside linebacker? Any serviceable pass rushers next year?
1: I think today, I mean, JoJo Doman, you know, is where you start on one side and then Garrett Nelson would be the other. But I I think there's another, a number of guys coming in this recruiting class that are going to push. You know, there, there are some other guys currently on the roster as well that could make a big jump this spring. But I think coming into the spring, that's where I would start.
2: Yeah, I think you have to kind of look at um, the ju- junior college ranks first. You know, these guys that uh, that have experience under their belts, uh, like a Nico Cooper, uh, I think that's somebody that's going to have an opportunity to come in and play an, o- an awful lot. And, I mean, shoot, that's why they went to junior college to get this guy um, is, is because they feel like he can come in and, and play early. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, Jamari Butler's got a chance to, to do some things, but I don't know if he'll be ready quite Uh, you know right away but uh, definitely Nico Cooper is is somebody that I would
3: keep a close eye on yeah definitely seems to be a position where uh, the window is going to be wide open for one of those new guys whether it be junior college or even you know a true freshman to work his way up the ladder
1: yeah there's one guy we forgot to mention to Caleb Tanner Um, you know what's he going to be I mean this is kind of a make or break it's a big spring for him to kind of get it going otherwise uh, Nico Cooper or I mean, Jameen Grand, too, I haven't heard his name once, so I don't know what to expect out of him. Blaze Gunnerson's here, too. Well, yeah. And Jamari Butler.
2: Gunnerson's coming off of the, the hip surgery, so I don't know if we'll necessarily hear a lot about him this spring, uh, but he, he, he certainly could be somebody in the fall. All
1: right, we got time for two more, Allie.
5: What's the word on facility upgrades besides the new football complex on Nebraska's campus?
1: Well, Bill Moose kind of hinted at some things in the horizon. I thought one of the more interesting ones he talked about on his radio show is the swimming complex. Nebraska's current swimming complex was built in the 70s. It's not a full-size Olympic pool. The seating, the lighting, the air quality, it's it's a very, very dated facility. Um, all things considered, um, I think the plan that they're they're hinting at on that is they want to team up with campus recreation and make it a pool that the university shares with athletics. And I think that's how you go about building something so expensive, but you also got to make it big enough to host state swimming and other things like that. Um, so that, that's on the horizon. Golf mm-hmm. still has something that they're working on Moose hinted on. It's very, very close to being announced. I think there's going to be an innovation campus hitting facility built for golf. I know that was something Moose has already kind of spilled the beans on. And then football, as we know, uh, will break ground early spring um you know early or late spring early um summer and then the new track um they will compete on the current Ed Weir track one more season they want to have the new track done for the start of the 2021 outdoor season
3: yeah nebraska's apparently putting its money where its mouth is now All that big 10 money is going to use well i've heard a lot of different things about golf i think that's
2: one to me that i'm, I'm interested to see exactly what happens there <clears throat> because um I've heard that they. I mean, there's going to be drastic changes there. So, uh, so we'll see. I. I but um, with the with the football facility, they're going to be breaking ground on that this June, right?
1: May June, yeah. I mean, at the end of the school year, and you know, then obviously, would it be about a. Year? A, a full 18 to 24 Eight, months. Yeah, I think
2: 18 months from whenever they break ground. And
1: what the... G- gymnastics will be in their new facility in the next 10 to 14 days. So, oh, wow. Um, it's ready. Uh, the moose said the equipment hasn't arrived yet. That's why they can't <laughs> go in there. Of course. Final question.
5: All right, favorite Kobe memory?
1: Whew. Um, probably the early one where him and Shaq kind of arrived. and I mean, it was a real – people forget that Portland Trail Blazers team that they beat. I think for Shaq and Kobe to get their first title, that was a loaded team. I mean, that team was better than the Lakers were. And Kobe and Shaq rose up, and um, there was an alley-oop. Was Kobe – did he catch it from Shaq? No, he
3: ooped it to Shaq. Yeah, he ooped it Shaq. to Shaq. That
1: play was kind of like a turning point of an era in the yep. NBA because I think Portland would have won the championship if not for that little momentum run that, that the Lakers had there.
3: Yeah, I think that the one thing that stuck out to me that really I think emphasized Kobe Bryant as a competitor was when he chose to participate with Team USA in the Olympics. Um, especially two thousand twelve. Yeah. That, that was the year when like no all the other guys were spurring it, you know, focusing on staying healthy and getting ready for the season. He was the one guy that was ready to put that team USA Jersey on his chest and go rep his country. And I earned a lot of respect or he earned a lot of respect with me uh, for that and kind of the selflessness he showed for a figure that big and and prominent in the NBA world to. Uh, put all that aside and, and go play for his country i think was a big deal. And he
1: even played in the 07 World Championships, mm-hmm. which now the the big A-listers don't play the World Championships, they come back and just do the Olympics. Competitors want to compete. And yeah. so he played in the 07 World Championships, the 08 Olympics and the 12 Olympics. And people forget in 08 the USA was beaten in 04 mm-hmm. um, by Greece or you know. Yeah, the, they were
3: they were struggling for a while. I mean the European teams were taking uh, a big step on them and so and a lot of that had to do with that move away from NBA players, the best of the best playing for their country because of financial reasons yeah I
2: definitely remember the the alley-oop to Shaq um and then beyond that I, I think the obviously eight, the 81 in one game is just unreal uh, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's incredible but to me I think one of the th- biggest things that stands out is uh when he ruptured his Achilles and then he <laughs> he caught up and shot his free throws and made them both before leaving the game I mean that's that's incredible. I I can't even fathom the you know the the type of mental toughness and <laughs> the competitiveness that it would take to to actually do that.
1: What about you, Allie? Do you have any Kobe memories? I was
5: gonna say what Nate said because that game too was it was against the Warriors, I think, and like ultimately, you know, they went on and won that and clinched a spot in the playoffs, which just shows you know the game was like on the line. Um, when he ruptured his Achilles, and it was just do anything to win. So that had to be. And, of course, the his last game, the 60 points, mm-hmm. like, can't forget that.
1: All right, well, that wraps it up from the mailbag. Thank you, Allie.
5: Yep, no problem.
1: All right, when we come back, more recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus now. We're talking some recruiting, Nate, and um, doing the insight Tour a little bit earlier this year. Used to always wait until after signing day got over, but um, instead of kind of loading it all up into about two weeks, we're just taking it nice and easy. We're going out once a week, uh, three or four schools every Friday, and, and we've had a chance now for three straight weeks um, and we'll be out again this week uh, for four, our fourth week in a row, um, just making the rounds. And um, you look at just the talent in the state. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I think the talent level in some certain spots um, are, are better. I mean, you, you're seeing guys getting offers way, way earlier. And, and we've seen that with a number of even 2022 kids around the state already
2: yeah, not only not only are kids getting offers earlier, but the types of teams that are coming into Nebraska, I think that whole dynamic has changed quite a bit. I think um, you know it's not just the bordering state schools anymore. It, there's, there's a lot of a lot of you know, a lot of teams that are flying in uh, to check out players, and I think it speaks to the overall talent level in the state. I think that's really gone up. I mean, uh, and I was just kind of looking at this uh, the other day. When you look back, just over the last few years, uh, the recent history, um, you know, Cameron Jergens wasn't a Rivals 250 guy, but you probably you can make a case that he probably deserved to be in the Rivals 250. He was a high four star. <clears throat> But then you've got Nick Henrich was a Rivals 250 guy the next year. Um, And then you had Xavier Betts, top 100 guy. Um, And and then in 2021, you've got Teddy Prohaska and Avante Dickerson. You know, Prohaska is a top 100 guy. Dickerson's top 250 guy. And then in the 2022 class, I think you got a couple guys that early on, um, you know, at least – you know, meet that profile, or are going to be high profile. Devin Jackson, yeah, Devin Jackson, and then Deshawn Woods. I mean, those two guys between those two alone. Uh, I mean, the thing you could end up making a case that they're going to be really mm-hmm. high four star type of guys, maybe two fifty or, or top one hundred types types of players. So um, you know, each year it seems to be their Nebraska or the in state talent is is kind of creeping up, or at least. Uh, the high-end guys are, are pretty impressive players. And that
1: used to – we'd talk to previous Nebraska staffs and that we'd always talk about in-state stuff with them, and they'd say, why can't there just be a no-brainer? Yep. Yep. and 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 finally – we're seeing it. I mean, there's there's at least two to three no-brainers almost every year that this state has produced. Now, this past year, they just got one in-state guy. They obviously recruited Xavier Watts, um, but they were only they only offered one. But they kind of backdoored into Isaac Gifford, yeah. and they figured out a way to make it work with Ty Han. I mean, those are guys that you could make a case 20 years ago. Tom Osborne would have offered both those guys true scholarships. So Nebraska had to get creative to get Isaac Gifford and Tyhan.
2: Yeah, and to their credit, I mean, they, they found a way to make it make it work and, and sell that um, you know, the to the the opportunity to those two players and, and they are really good players. So, um, you know, I, I think that was that was wise of them to do, um, and and will probably pay off in the long run. But you're right, I mean I I remember um, working on some of those staffs and being in recruiting meetings where it was like it's like man can't, can't the state just have a guy that, that is you turn on the no film, arguments yeah you turn on the film and, and everyone's like yep <laughs> we'll, we'll take him and we'll take him now um, or we will offer him as a sophomore or whatever you know it um, it used to be you know there was you would uh, have some some coaches on the staff who were on the fence with a couple of players that would hold up the whole entire recruiting process, and that was, I mean, you could go all the way back to, uh, you know, going all the way back to probably Frank Solich's final couple of final years there. Uh, I mean, there was there, a hand a lot of players that I think were were just kind of fringe guys. They weren't those no-brainer types, but um, you know, like we've seen for for 2020 and and here just recently, you know, 2021 and and now the 2022 class. I, I think from what we've seen early on in the in-state tour, there's some some high-end guys that that are you know very much no-brainers. Yeah,
1: you, you look. Um, and by the way, the the updated rankings, Nate. And I know that we spend a lot of time talking yeah. about 2021 rankings, but they are now posted. Um on Rivals dot com this week for um, the initially ranked uh two thousand twenty ones. Teddy Prochaska remains uh, number fifty seven in the Rivals one hundred. Avante Dickerson's one ninety five in the two fifty, both four stars. AJ Rollins of Creighton Prep is a five point six three star Nebraska has offered as well as Missouri, uh, Central Florida, and uh, missing the Iowa State maybe. Or who's, who's his fourth offer? I mean, Missouri. Uh, Missouri, Nebraska, Central Florida, and there's one other offer he has. Iowa. Or not Iowa. Um, Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State. And then um, Keegan Johnson is, is now a high three-star at 5.7. Thoughts on those early rankings?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds about right. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I think that especially when you're looking at, um, you know, Prohaska and, and, and Dickerson, um, I mean – I think those guys match up really well uh, with with their rankings, and then um, you know the the jury's still out or the door is open. I think for for a lot of movement between Keegan Johnson and and AJ Rollins. I think uh, Rollins is, I mean, he's all potential in my opinion. I mean, uh, this is a guy that that you could see a ton of movement from uh, from a five six all the way up to who knows what. But um, and then Keegan Johnson, I, you know, I think that he's somebody that. Um, as as a 57 I mean you're you're really really close you're, you're knocking on that door to be a four-star guy so um, and with the with the uh, with the way the development that he's shown from his sophomore to junior season if he continues to develop at that rate from junior to senior season, Um, You know, I I think there's a legitimate chance that he could become a four star down the road. And this is
1: something that we were asked a lot of questions about. Why aren't we ranking? Or first of all, Nate and I don't actually make the rankings. I mean, Nate gives his input. I might give my input on a guy or two I've seen, uh, but Nate does not actually put the stars on these guys on Rivals.com. But why were the 21s not ranked earlier? Um, And you know, the timelines actually sped up. It used to be 21s didn't even start the ranking process until after February.
2: Well. And in honestly, just within the last three or four years, it used to be the 2021s didn't get ranked until before, April May. Yeah, until yeah, until like the the May June uh, updated rankings. So I mean, it, it it continually gets sped up, and and um, you know, and part of that's our own market. I mean, our own business um you know other other competitors you know they're they're ranking guys earlier and so you kind of you know you're, you're forced to maybe go a little faster than what you want to go but um i guess it kind of is what it is yeah
1: and you know if you weren't if you didn't have any power five offers by december 1st uh you, you didn't you know those guys didn't make the initial december positional rankings and then the next set of rankings was this week in February, um, and, and that's where Keegan Johnson just got his rating. His offers didn't come in until uh, December 5th, December 6th. Yeah,
2: that first or second week in December is when they the floodgates kind of started to open.
1: And, you know, I, I know for some of these kids, they see all these teams going over to, say, Council Bluffs to see Fedoni right now. Uh, but I'm telling you, Jim Harbaugh is not going to – you know, you, you look at some of these guys, they're good players, uh, A.J. Rollins, Keegan Johnson, et cetera. But they're regional targets, in my opinion, where uh, Prohaska is a national target. Uh, Dickerson right now is a national target. Fedoni is a national target. And that's why you're seeing the traffic coming into, say, Council Bluffs, our west side right now, because of the offers these guys have. It has nothing to do with our star rankings. And I, I think some people have a hard time understanding that. When And we spent a lot of time arguing that on the phone this week.
2: Yeah. It, you know, look, the, the bottom line is that, with a, <clears throat> if you've got a handful of offers at this stage in the game, um, you know I, I, schools know about it. Schools are aware of it, um, regardless of whether you're, you know, ranked a five star or if you don't have a ranking yet. Um, and and I don't believe that any of these guys have missed out on uh, offers because they didn't have a ranking until you know the week before the February signing date uh, as a junior. Um, and and I think that. The same schools that are coming through uh, Omaha and, and and Council Bluffs or whatever right now are, are going to be the same schools plus some in in April and May once the spring evaluation period starts up. So, um, you know, I, it, I don't I don't see I don't see how we're not completely dictating the the amount of traffic or the amount of offers that, that these players
1: get right now. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more about what Nebraska is doing here over this final stretch run of recruiting. That's next here listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics
1: final segment here of the Husker Line show Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we are talking some recruiting Nate and this segment of the Husker Line show is brought to you by our friends at Kugler Vision Nate tell them about your experience yeah
2: there's, there's a reason why I love it over at Googler Vision so much and not only is my vision amazing after my LASIK procedure uh, but the customer service is the best around you know anytime that I've I've gone into Kugler Vision uh, it's like they know my name they, they treat me extremely well it's, it's not a cold doctor's office, you know, where uh, you're just not, you're not friendly or whatever. They're they so friendly and kind uh, and answer all of my questions. And I think that's that's uh, something that a lot of people agree with me with. Uh, Kugler Vision has over 600, po- 600 pos- positive patient reviews. Uh, so, you know, if you're somebody that is looking to ditch the glasses and contacts, go to CooglerVision.com and see what they can do for you.
1: All right, Nate, uh, we are in the stretch run, if you want to call it that, of the final recruiting period here. Um, the February signing day is on Wednesday night. Next week, it used to be it's a day that I basically made my career on February signing days covering recruiting in February. Now it's a condensed versioning around December and February is just going to be kind of um, another day. I mean, we don't anticipate Nebraska having a press conference. They may or may not add one to two guys. Um, Chris Drain, the wide receiver, we know from Alabama. Nebraska has visited him at least once, if not twice. And there is talk of them going out to Idaho for a final in-home visit this week with Tanoa Tagawai, uh, the big defensive lineman, big 6'7 guy. Um, What's your read on where they stand with Drain and Tagawai?
2: Yeah, right now, you know, Drain is, I I think – it's it's hard to get a great read on on either one of them, to be honest with you. They they both have been taken uh, additional visits since they visited Nebraska. Tagawai visited in December. Uh, Drain visited that very first weekend coming out of the dead period. So um, you know, and Nebraska has gone out and had in home visits with them or whatever. But. Um, I would only anticipate Nebraska getting one of them, and, and if I were going to put money on which one they're going to get, I would probably say Tagawai uh, is is the most likely for them to get. But um, you know, he's it, it, I don't think he's a slam dunk either. Um, you know, and if they don't get either one, I don't think it's it's going to be something that Nebraska loses a lot of sleep over. Uh, I think. Um, one of these guys, one of the two, would be just kind of the cherry on top to the class, uh, and, and would be another good addition. Uh, now, from a need standpoint, from my perspective, I think it, it would make more sense to add Tagawai at the defensive end position, uh, since they did sign you know some some really nice playmakers at, at wide receiver. But at the same time, Drain, you know, Drain really does fit extremely well in, into the offense, and and I think he could even. Possibly project as a as a defensive back if if things didn't work out or if there was ever a logjam at that duck R position or running back or whatever. Um, you know he's kind of a Cam Taylor Brit. Type, you know, he's uh, talented on both sides of the football. So, really, I think it's up in the air right now what happens, and and we probably won't know until you know a day or two before signing day.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show as we talk numbers. And Nate, you know, Nebraska could sit on those for the transfer portal. They could just sit on them all together and 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 increase their load up to twenty-seven for the next year. And they have taken so many guys, really, the last three classes in a row. Um, they ha- they've had to be very creative with roster management to, to get to 85 this year, um, and they're already back under 85 technically. Now Isaac Gifford would be the 85th, and then Luke Reimer is going to go on. So he's, they're at 86 if you count Gifford and Reimer without these two. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see how they approach that because you can make a case that, you know what, maybe you want to have a full boat uh, plus some for the twenty one class, especially if you get off to a hot start.
2: Yeah, and, and which I think is going to happen. I think we're going to see the twenty twenty one class fill up a lot faster than than what we've seen uh, with the past couple classes from Scott Frost uh, coaching staff. So, and the amount of talent within the region, um, I think there's a there's a big uptick there. So it might make more sense to to have an extra spot or two in the twenty one class, and uh, you know be able to. To, I mean, because I think there's a, a legitimate possibility that we could see Nebraska fill, you know, half their class with kids with within the 500 mile radius, and I don't remember. I mean, it's been a long time since they've had a had a legit possibility of being able to do that. So, um, and I do think that if you get one or two of these big guys within the region, that could be a snowball effect uh, that that happens. So.
1: Um, it's know. been a while since they've had four in-state offers out this early mm-hmm. for 21. Now, I mean, that Niles Paul-Phil Bates year, I mean, that was a really good year. They offered Ryan L. Grigsby as well. I remember the very, very yeah. first day that fizzled out. But uh, it's been a long time, Nate, since Nebraska's had four standing in-state offers out this early.
2: This early, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's been a couple guys that have gotten way early offers, but not this many for sure. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go about – you know, deciding what to do with that or, or how to approach this whole deal. But, um, you know, the bottom line is is that I think they have had a productive January and uh, they've they've been able to, to get out and see these last couple of guys but also have been able to get a lot of work done on that 2021 class.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting here with Nate Klaus. What do you get the sense, Nate, Scott Frost has been doing like, as far as what – Obviously, these in-home visits that he's, he's been involved in, uh, but how do you think Nebraska is utilizing Scott Frost right now over, over this January stretch?
2: Well, so far, I mean, from from what we've seen, and, uh, and they've remained, you know, kind of pretty low-key on things. You know, a lot of schools will kind of publicize, you know, where they're at and where they're going and who they're seeing, you know, or – not not specific you know they won't drop any names but they'll say you know it, it, they'll make it pretty clear uh, on who they're seeing but nebraska does not do that they don't they don't really publicize where they're going but um i, I do think you know from what we've been able to gather is that uh, nebraska's got a list of kind of their top tier guys early on for the 2021 class and even 2022 and and the, Scott Frost is getting in these schools and showing his face and and letting them know that hey you 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 guys are a priority uh, to us and uh, you know we're we're coming in uh, not just with uh, an assistant coach but in, in some cases multiple assistants and, and the head coach and so um, that's kind of how they've approached this I, I think and it makes some sense I mean and they did some somewhat of the same thing last year with some of their top targets when you look at how they went about recruiting guys like Turner. Corcoran and um, you know Blaze Gunnerson and Nash Hutmacher and, and a lot of you know a lot of those guys uh, in that class they, they made sure to, to get in and uh, you know see those guys every chance they could Logan Smothers I mean they were, they were going by those guys at schools every chance they could uh, before the signing day
1: and Nate Nebraska had two different big junior day weekends you mentioned a lot of 500 mile radius guys what's well, one or two takeaways here that you took out of those as we close out the show here
2: well, yeah, I, you know, I, I think the, the, the most recent one, you know, one of the big takeaways was, uh, was T.J. Bowler's. His visit went extremely well, um, you know, and I think going into that visit, they were behind Wisconsin, maybe, uh, sitting in that number two spot. And, uh, you know, and I think Nebraska positioned themselves well after that visit. And, and a lot of it had to do with how, uh, you know, Bowlers was going to hit it off with Mike Dawson, the, the new outside linebackers coach. Uh, mm-hmm. And I say new in, in quotations because he's technically not new to Nebraska, but he's new to TJ Bowlers at, at that as far as being an outside linebackers coach. And they hit it off extremely well, um, you know, and, and really. The the grand scheme of things, you um, a lot of the feedback that we've gotten has been. Uh, you know, the, the strength conditioning presentation and, and how they're going about kind of presenting the new facilities that are being built, uh, that has made a big impression on a lot of these visitors. And, and, uh, and I think that's going to continue to be something that we hear a lot about and that, that may end up giving Nebraska an advantage uh, with, with some of these guys, you know. Because these
1: facilities for the 21 guys, they'll essentially get them almost their entire time yep. here.
2: Yeah, and yeah, you, you, you heard a little bit of excitement when it, when it was first announced from the 2020 recruits, uh, but this is really the first time that, that we've heard recruits really gush about it and say, man, it is going to be awesome, I'm excited to get back, and I can't wait, you know um it, it's it's made a big impression and, and I know some people are kind of wishy-washy like ah oh, if everyone's got nice facilities they don't matter and it, it does matter um, and it, even if it, if it's just a, a little bit yeah, that could be that you know that little bit of an edge could be enough to to uh, sway or recruit your way
1: well a lot is going on um, as we get ready for signing day as potential uh, commits might happen here um, leading into Wednesday and obviously Nebraska basketball on the road or at home here Saturday against Penn State so make sure you You are logged on to HuskerOnline.com as we will have the latest on everything.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.